Packers Daily with Jason Mertides. All right, here it is. Friday, July 16th edition of Flyers Daily with Jason Mertides on the eve of expansion draft protection list being submitted and on the eve eve of protection expansion lists being made public, which will happen on Sunday evening at 8 p.m. So we're going to get into all of the offseason's uh, different imaginations and different elements that are coming and talk about a lot of different things right now with Bill Meltzer. A little preview of what's coming up uh, around the NHL in regards to the Flyers and uh, some other interesting situations. It is Bill Meltzer joining us from NHL.com, PhiladelphiaFlyers.com, and HockeyBuzz.com. Bill, you ready for the, uh, the deluge? Oh, absolutely. You know, this is this is crunch time in the offseason. Nothing's ever been quite this compacted before. So it's going to be craziness. Uh, on the flip side, these next few weeks are going to really shape the teams you'll see in the ice, not just Philadelphia, but other teams, too, from uh, expansion draft through the through the start of free agency. And then after that, it kind of slows to, you know, uh, maybe a an announcement or signing or two every day, and then it really slows until just about the start start of the season. So really, a lot of what will will shape next season, at least the beginning of it, is going to happen these next couple of weeks. So it's going to be exciting. It's going to be crazy. Yeah, and we see some jockeying for position already with some clubs. Uh, you know, either buying guys out or you know, making some preemptive moves for players that they couldn't protect. And we'll get into some of that in this episode. But yep. where I want to start, you know, the critical dates uh, for this uh, all beginning, you know, this this is a big weekend coming up uh, tomorrow on Saturday by 5 p.m., the Flyers and every NHL team, uh, 29, or the other 30 teams, rather, uh, Vegas is exempt and obviously Seattle is, will have to submit their protected list. And then we'll find out wh- who those uh players are that are protected and who are is left unprotected coming up Sunday evening and where I want to start Bill is with Jake Voracek because you know I thought it was pretty shocking that it got public uh, that uh, Chuck Fletcher has had conversations with him and they're they're not planning on protecting him and Chuck even kind of went into how those conversations have gone and that really struck me because I don't think something like that gets public if there's a high likelihood the player is going to return so whether or not he's taken by Seattle or not I think the writing's kind of on the wall that there's a better than a good chance that they're going to find a way to move him this summer. I would say that's most likely the case. They, they're hedging their bets a little bit where, you know, and Elliot Friedman put it out there and, and it was obviously, you know, his, his sources on there saying, well, both sides are comfortable if it, if it works out in a way that he does end up coming back because it's not an absolute certainty lock cinch barrel that, that he's going to be moved out this summer, but yeah, when when you put it out that way, it, it is most likely the case that one way or another, whether it's the expansion draft or a trade, um, you know, the, the player will move on. Uh, what I'm really interested to see is where does you know where does he end up going and what ends up coming back. Yeah. And you know, I, I thought I thought it was very interesting when Jeremy Rutherford was putting out uh, the uh, Vladimir Tarasenko that the Flyers are on Tarasenko's list of teams he would accept a trade to. And when you when you look at the cap dollars, uh, Voracek and Tarasenko make about the same money. Tarasenko makes about, uh, I believe, I, I think he's about seven hundred fifty thousand a year less. But it's not not a big difference. The one the one cap benefit is he has one fewer year in his contract, so it's yep. two years less instead of three. Um, that you know, I, when when I look at is is there a potential fit there? Well, I mean, uh, I, I don't think either team 
could get a better player for the guy they're looking and you know, looking potentially to move, then I think I think there's a fit on both sides. You know, they're different kinds of players. One is one is a goal scorer who has some injury issues. One is three years older than the other one, but uh, has a much cleaner bill of health. One's a one's a scorer. One's a playmaker. But uh, but I think that they're but I think that there's a potential fit on both sides. Now, whether that's the actual deal that ends up going down, I don't know. It doesn't open up a ton of cap space in the, in the near term, but it is something that I could see potentially happening where you are changing the mix up on both teams and both, both teams are getting a proven player. So I would not, you know, I, when I just looked around the league and I was thinking, is, is there a fit here? Well, there's no, there's no obstacle in terms of no trade clause. And potentially as a hockey trade, it, it that's the kind of thing that might work, um, because otherwise, otherwise, I a, a lot of teams are you're going to be taking some kind of money back. Probably, you're not going to be getting first round picks and prospects. None of that kind of move with where a guy's in his thirties and he has three years left in the deal. Plus, the other side knows that you're looking potentially to move him. So that that's one option. That's you know, that's one possibility. Another one would be. The Flyers working at something out with Seattle, where he's he would be the guy that they take. But then, you know, what are you doing to sweeten it if they're not already inclined to take him? So, I don't know. It's it's going to be really, really interesting. But it, but but to your point, I think there's a significant possibility that Voracek is, is not back, at least by the you know by the way the smoke signals look, at least. Yeah, and and I always think it's very rare when a GM publicly acknowledges something before it's happened um, that it's a possibility. Usually, they keep their cards really close, right? And they kind of just say, "Hey, you know, we're going to have discussions with a lot of players." It would never yeah. kind of individualize it like that. But uh, the Tarasenko thing, I think the interesting thing that's in, the, the thing that really catches my eye there. I think what people don't realize about Tarasenko, he hasn't played a lot over the last couple of years, and yeah. he obviously wants for sure. But he is only twenty nine years old. So there is some risk right. there with the injury and, and the shoulder and, and stuff he's dealt with, but um, he fits that bill of what I've talked about and you've talked about is about a guy that shoot first and ask questions later, and he can and right. he can shoot it. <laughs> and that, that that's an absolute need. And the Flyers have other you know maybe not uh, maybe not other wingers other than, than Giroux, who's a playmaker on the same order as Voracek, but they definitely need a guy who's a who's a, has a shoot first mentality. And listen, I mean, the, the two-year term, let, let's say he comes in and uh, he's not healthy. That is a potentially a significant amount of long-term injured reserve space. Yep. And there'll be only one year in the contract beyond next season, too. So it's not a, a super long-term commitment, and it's something that could it's something really work out. I mean, the Flyers haven't had an abundance of guys who can go out in a, in a healthy year and get you 35 or more goals. I mean, Tarasenko is that kind of player. Selfie. Yeah. Yeah. He's an absolute sniper. And, you know, you know, the interesting thing when they won the cup is, is he played a much better two way game. And that would be uh, part of uh, part of the expectation with a head coach, like Elaine Vino, like it was with Craig Berube. And there's familiarity there with Berube and obviously Voracek as well. So, um, you know, both teams could look, looking for a refresh and, two players that could exchange in a hockey trade, a one-for-one. One. That would be very yeah. interesting. Um, but l- let's kind of move on from uh, from Voracek. The expansion list is going to go in, Bill. I don't think we're really going to see any surprises here in who the Flyers – I think, you know, I heard Chuck talk about this the other day, that uh, I think that Seattle kind of knows for the most part who's going to be protected and who's not. And I think that yeah. – I don't think there's going to be many big surprises on the Flyers list either. No, no, no do I. Uh, I think everybody is – we mentioned Voracek. I, I think 
most people are expecting that James John Reamsdyke will be out there and Shane Gossesfair will be out there. Um, and, you know, a guy like uh, Nick Abe-Cubell could be out there. And I, I have seen some projections that, that he would be the guy that's taken. I mean, honestly, I could see the Flyers, if they're afraid of that proactively, as they did with Nick Cousins back in uh, 2017, they moved Cousins to Arizona because of, they thought there was a at least a decent chance that uh, Vegas might take him. So they they moved because uh, trade made made the trade. I mean, they didn't get a, you know much of a return on it, but one one of the picks that they got in that uh, uh, that uh, was a Wiley, um, and he yep. you know, he, had, he was a rookie with the Phantoms this past year. So he's still in the organization and, and is a guy who has a chance to maybe contribute something in the NHL in the future. That's better than losing a player for nothing. So you might, you might see something like that, a minor move, just proactively getting ahead of the expansion draft and also maybe steering Seattle a little bit more towards the list of guys who, you know, who they otherwise might take and would give you a little bit more cap space. I mean, if I had to, if I had to say, if I had to predict the guy would be most likely to be taken off the list that's expected, I would actually say it would be Shane Goss there. You do? Four, four and a half million uh, for a team that has to get to the floor. He could step onto their top power play unit. He signed for a couple of years beyond this. Wouldn't break the bank for them. Um, even, if, you know, even if they add enough other pieces that he's playing in their second or preferably third pair power play duties, you know, I, 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 he's the kind of guy I would, I would expect unless there's some other kind of side deal made to steer them towards somebody else. Yeah, I, I could see uh, James as well. Makes a lot of sense. And if yeah. it is steered towards Jake, then I think there's going to be some other kind of side deal there uh, and some yeah. kind of trade where maybe they select a player that they're going to trade to the Flyers and it, that kind of thing that that plays out where it's a little bit more complicated. But uh, give Ron Francis full marks. I mean, he's that organization's done a great job keeping stuff close to the vest. I mean, we didn't even know what their color scheme was until they decided yeah. nothing leaked. <laughs> it was amazing. Um, Bill, one yeah, not, even thing, the, not even the team name. The team name yeah. was kept secret for a long time. And the graphic designers yeah. were at work, and it never leaked. I couldn't believe it no. um, until they <laughs> unveiled it. Um, one of the other things that's going on around the league right now is you're seeing a lot of buyouts, and we've seen some, some interesting ones. Keith Yandel got bought out down in Florida. Uh, that seemed like a fait accompli at 34 years old. He had the, yeah. the game's played streak this year, and uh, but but he's clearly not the player he was, to, certainly to warrant over a $6 million cap hit. And then you look into what happened in Minnesota with uh, Ryan Suter and Zach Parisi. Uh, but a lot of people are, are speculating because of, you know, the obvious connection with Chuck Fletcher, uh, that Ryan Suter may be a fit for the Flyers. Now, he's a left-shot defenseman. He plays the left That's side, and there's a glut of left-side defenseman in this organization and already on the team so to me it's not really a fit and unless there was some kind of hole and I don't know that he wants to be considered a second pairing defenseman with the way he kind of loves to eat minutes and that really keeps him in a game yeah for sure um you know that that would be the I think that would be the the fit and if it would be you know based on the rest of the personnel because Travis Sanheim has played right defense a a fair amount not, not not the last year or two but Earlier in his career, he played as much, if not more, on the right side. So he'd be the guy to move sides, probably. Um, either that, or you, you know, you have one of your right-handed shooters and play with him. But I mean, I, I think the Flyers' number one need is that that right-shot defenseman who can eat a lot of minutes. Unless you're making multiple changes, then you know, then that might change things. Where Suter is still playing 20 minutes a night for another year or two, and 
you know, then and then he's on the left side of another pairing with a with, you know a defenseman to be named later, I guess, on the right side. But yeah, I mean, if you look at if you look just team need, they really they really need a, a right side defenseman and preferably a right shot right side defenseman. And it, it's not like it's Philadelphia or nothing for Suter either. And when I remember, what I also remember, although you know, I don't know if he's going to be as picky this time around. But when he was a free agent in uh, 2012, I mean, he really the Flyers actually offered Parise and, and Suter more money than any than any, any other team that off season. And Suter just had his heart set in Minnesota because he, you know, he, he he likes to live up there. He likes living by the lake. He likes going fishing. I mean, you know, it was a particular lifestyle thing for him too. Now that he's leaving there, I you know, I mean, he's I mean, he's going to permanently probably live there. But I think that that's. Uh, you know, if he signs somewhere else for a short term, two years or something, I, I maybe he might go. To, maybe he might, you know, look for a team that that's uh, maybe is an inside track of being a contender for a cup or whatever. Listen, even even with the buyout, he's still going to make a nice chunk of money from the Wild for twice the remaining length of the contract. So, I just I just don't see a fit when I look at there. Even though even though there's a relationship with uh, with Chuck Fletcher, I don't see that driving a deal being made. I could be wrong. Yeah, and again, you know, I keep getting asked about this. How many moves are they going to make? Are they going to, you know, you don't, we don't know that. We can't prognosticate that because we don't know the trickle-down effect of any trade. You don't know who you're sending right. in a trade, whether you're sending prospects or you're sending rostered young players, a guy like Travis Sanheim or Phil Myers. And then obviously if you make a trade that involves one of those players, then that now has, you know, opens a hole that needs to be filled that they need to, you know, at least uh, fill with, as good as or better than what you had. So that's part of the trickle-down effect. You know, the other guy, Ryan Graves, just goes to uh, New Jersey. He gets moved. And, you know, on social media, I see a lot of Flyers fans kind of fretting about it. Oh, we we could use a guy like that. But, again, another left-side defenseman that, (laughs) as currently constructed, that's not the need. You have to attack your needs. You can't create redundancy in your roster uh, right now. Um, hoping that you can move Travis Sanheim or some other left side uh, defenseman down the road, you, you got to kind of take things as they come. Which which leads us to Seth Jones and Ryan Ellis because they are right side defensemen. Now we know that, uh, that uh, Seth Jones, the, according to reports, is is coy about signing an extension here in Philadelphia. We've heard that maybe he would sign one in Dallas. Uh, obviously, Chicago looks like an attractive location for him with his brother being moved there. Caleb in that Duncan Keith trade. Uh, it, it, do you think the door is closed on Seth Jones, or is this just uh, part of the, you know, kind of negotiation process back and forth and things that take place this time of year? Yeah, I, I don't think Seth Jones is on the front burner anymore. The Flyers, by all indications, could not get any kind of a commitment from him to extend, and I don't think they even got a commitment to okay if we're, you know, for the top of the standings or close to midseason. You know, I, I think it was really just a well, well. We'll see after the season, which is, it was just kind of already one foot out the door in a lot yeah, of ways. Too much so risk there. It, 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 it's a lot of risk. So I think that they've they've moved on and they're looking in, in other directions. And you know, you, if if that's really the prospects that they're looking at, well, then then you know, I think that makes the most sense to do. Um, you know, you you just mentioned the Graves trade. Uh, I think that the Flyers and other teams too should be seeing to the extent that they can what Tampa Bay might be. I mean, you have the two-time defending champions. They're going to – the downside of being such a great team is that they're going to have more good players than protection slots. Yeah. 
So, you know, whether they do, and they may, they may go four forwards and four defensemen, but I think they will, you know, then you're going to have a guy like, yeah, then you're going to have a guy like a Killorn who's out there. Yeah. Um, And if they go, and if they go, yeah. And, you know, and I mean, that would be an attractive player for a lot of teams, Philadelphia included. So, you know, if they, or if they go, the the real, you know, or, I mean, I don't, I don't see them protecting only veterans because I, I don't think they're going a guy like Sorelli out there. You know, I mean, that, that, I mean Seattle would, uh, wouldn't even have to think twice about taking them no. if, if they go that route. So I, I, think that they, I think that they'll protect three defensemen, and the defenseman will be exposed to be either Eric Chernak, who is that right-side defenseman, yeah. does play close to 20 minutes a game. He's actually the same age as Phil Myers. They're both 24. Um, and Chernak is actually a few months younger. So, you know, if, if he's potentially out there, if he's going to be on the, the exposed list, then, uh, then I think that's a guy the Flyers might be able to, to swing something similar to what uh, similar to what the Devils did, if if that's in fact a possibility. If they don't protect Chernak, uh, the guy who they would probably put out there because they're certainly they're certainly not going to uh, expose Hedman or, or Sargachev would be Ryan McDonough. Yeah. And now that's another left side guy, so that that creates that same dilemma. Um, you know, and he's you know he, he's an older guy, but. I'll tell Five you, I mean, years a guy left who's still on the plays, contract too. I think. Yeah, yeah, and that, that's that's a lot of that's a lot of term left too. So that that might be a reason they might dangle him out there. But if you're making multiple moves on defense, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, uh, I would still look for that right side defenseman as the main priority. But uh, you know, but there will be a team that would jump at that. You know, it oh. might even be a team in your division. So. Yep. Yeah, and he he's under contract until uh, the twenty five twenty six season. So yeah, he does yeah. have five more years left at six point yeah. seven five, and you know yeah. he's going to play at a high level for another you know two to three years. I would think he's thirty two years old. He's a savvy player, and um, boy, I, I mean, I think, I mean, this may be wrong to say, but I think he was more impactful than even Hedman for that team in this playoff run because Hedman was injured. Uh, he yeah. was so no, good. he's still. He's still a vital player. That, that's why I don't see Tampa Bay letting him go. They have a they have a legitimate shot at a third straight cup. That's, that's special and it's pretty rare, and particularly in today's NHL, to even be in position to potentially do something like that. While Cherenak is a, is a nice young defenseman, he's also, you know, he's also a little a little bit down on the rotation just because they're so deep. Yeah. So. I don't know. I mean, there 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 are options like that out there, but that's kind of what I hone in on as a. As a possibility for philadelphia or another team yeah and the other thing too is i think it's easier to replace what they would lose up front than it would be to lose a top 4d that's the other part of it which may be why they go four and four as well uh which brings us to ryan ellis because um you know there was a lot of conversation during the season about matthias ekholm before the predators decided they weren't selling and then ellis's name started to pop up bill this one just makes a lot of sense to me um because the the player's been injured a a little bit over the last couple of years But he does not have an exorbitant cap hit at 6.25. He does have five years left. Uh, but to me, he, he really fills that void of the top pair right side guy, that defensive guy to play along with Provorov, but also allows you some flexibility to get other things done this offseason. Uh, to me, that should be the number one target right now, especially with Seth Jones out there, unless you're going to jump into the Dougie Hamilton sweepstakes, which is going to be very costly. But to me, Ellis makes sense because you can solve more problems in one offseason with a little less cap hit. Yeah, and they would still be looking for probably another right-handed defenseman with a little more size and physicality because they still have that need. 
yeah. the back end. Yeah, but, not but in terms of they, five ten, yeah, yeah. But in terms of the, in terms of a two way guy moves the puck, plays in all game situations. You know, where will wear probably an A in his uniform. Yep. You know, be an alternate captain. Uh, great guy in the bench. Great guy in the locker room. Really, uh, you know, I, I liken his what his impact would be to be a right handed chemo team. And chemo was in the thirties when he came here. Yep. So also from Nashville, but it's it, uh, you know, I mean, he would you would have that kind of an impact. Is he? Is he the Norris Trophy kind of defenseman? No, but he's he's a he's a glue guy and an All Star caliber player in a good year for him, and that would be a guy who would definitely come in and meet a need for for several years. You you do worry a little bit about the health side of it, but yeah, that that's a guy who would check a whole lot of boxes. And as you said, you know, relative to what a, a top pairing defenseman usually costs cap hit wise, it's reasonable. He's a better player than Niskanen is, and Niskanen was at five and a half, five and a quarter. Yeah. This player's at six point seven five, um, and obviously younger than Niskanen was when he was got here at thirty two years of age. So, uh, to me, that, that that just seems to make a lot of sense. And the one thing that he's got in bundles is kind of what you alluded to. He's got a ton of character. Tons yeah, he's a uh, yeah leadership type. I mean, he's uh, you know he he plays a lot of hard. He, he's you know, he's a guy who can settle things down, which is something the Flyers really. Something one of the things they really miss with Niskanen this year was just just that element to to restore some order when things get chaotic. Yeah, because when things got chaotic this year, they tended to stay chaotic. Yeah, so. and when you needed those shifts, like after you score a goal to get within one or tie yeah. a game, they would give up yep. a goal. That's when yep. you need your top pairing guys to go out there and just have a super have a have a quiet shift where nothing happens. That's yeah. what Niskanen did. Yeah. You know, huge points in games. That those shifts are really important. You may go, well, how, why is it important that nothing happened? Well, because nothing happened. Because <laughs> this year it was all negative that happened. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Bill, let me ask you about a, a couple of guys, because Brock Besser is a guy that is rumored to be on the, uh, on the market right now because we know the situation in Vancouver, and they got some uh, really interesting free RFAs that they have to deal with, and Elias Patterson and Quinn Hughes, but... Uh, is this a guy that is worth a conversation to to try and pry out of Vancouver? Uh, I, I think he is. I mean, I uh, he's <laughs> another guy who, yeah, that's another guy who's had some health issues. Yep. You know, um, I mean, listen, if you're if you're getting a player, you know, yes, the the cap part of it is is part of for any team, but if you're going to get a player of, of who's shown some ability and is still the young side, usually there's some question marks in in terms of like uh, recent health history or something. You know, and and uh, that uh, to me that to me that's a conversation worth having. To me, it's also worth having a conversation with Detroit about Bertuzzi's availability. Tyler, yeah. You know, it's interesting because I think to get to get back up in this league, you have to incur that risk, and you have to you know put a little bit of eggs in what I call the tenuous basket of you know has, has dealt with some injuries. But as long as the player is still young, you know, twenty eight and younger and you've had a chance to review the medicals and you feel comfortable with it, I think it's a risk worth taking. And you mentioned that with, with Besser for sure. I mean, there's high upside there. And you're going to have to incur risk in a 32-team league where parity is rampant. Uh, l- let me ask you about Philip Deneau because it doesn't look like he's going to be able to get a deal done in Montreal and could hit the market as well. And to me, he's very intriguing. He's not a sexy player. He's not going to go up and down the ice and score your goals and uh, be on the highlight reels. Uh, of ESPN with them having the rights this year, uh, but he's going to he's going to prevent a lot of goals. And the team, while defensively they weren't good last year, you can't blame it all on the D. 
You also, it's a five-man unit. Chuck Fletcher alluded to it the other day. They got to be better defensively. He's not just talking about the D. He's talking about the unit. And Dino's a guy that would bring that in spades. Oh, absolutely. He's uh, he's a guy who does all the little things right. How much would um, AV love always him? Hounding, always hounding the puck, wins yep. so many battles. You know, he's a, he's a guy who can help you close out a game, who can um, change around the game sometimes. You know, if, if you need that, that shift that uh, shifts momentum in a game, and maybe he, you know, maybe won't show up in the score sheet for him. Uh, he is, you know, he might go some stretches without a lot of goals, but, you know, in terms of his play without the puck, he's, a, he's definitely a selkie caliber guy. I mean, he's given the Flyers plenty of fits. You know, he's, yep. he's a hard guy to play against, and they need more guys that are hard to play against in addition to, you know, the goal scoring side of it. I think, I think he's another guy who would, they would check some boxes for the team if they can work it all out cap wise. I mean, he's a guy, that, another guy that's some interesting for sure. I've really been thinking about Philip to know in this regard, Bill, that you know, Couturier's been the lockdown guy, the two hundred foot center, handling all the difficult opposition top lines. If you have a guy like to know to more more than split that duty, what does that yeah. do for a guy like Sean Couturier and his line? to not always have to start in the defensive zone, to not always have to shut down the opposition and try and outscore them. His offensive numbers go up. Couturier's in the last year of his contract. To me, if you had a guy like Deneau handling that duty on your team and Sean Couturier going forward, that would just make Sean Couturier an even more offensive, powerful player, all while still being able to be as good as he is defensively and not have to carry the burden of those matchups every night. Totally agree. Totally agree, and and it gives you uh, a nice start towards another option of a of a shutdown line. Where yep. I mean, imagine Lawton on on Deneau's wing. You have a hmm. two pain in the neck guys to play against, right? Uh, who do just get in and, and work their tail off every shift. I mean, that's uh, that's what you want on the bottom half of your lineup, you know. And that's uh, that, that would be a very nice that would be a very nice element to have if you can have it. Yeah, and I get the sense that Deneau's one of those guys that a, co- a coach loves to tap to throw over the boards. Yeah, for sure. He, you know, they coaches love um, known commodities, and they love knowing what they're going to get. And with Deneau, you don't have delusions of grandeur that he's going to go out and score you 30 goals in a season. But you know he's going to contest every inch of the ice when he's on it, and I think that's really important. Um, let me ask you about, you know, in, in the press conference that Chuck uh, did with Brent Flair the other day, uh, you know, there was a moment in that press conference that really got me when – I forget who asked the question, but they asked about trading the 13th overall pick in this draft. And Brent yeah. kind of chimed in and says, it depends on who you ask. It yeah. seems to me, in just kind of reading the room, that that pick, uh, in Chuck's eyes, uh, if he can pull off a deal, is all but gone. Yeah. I, I mean, Chuck, <laughs> Chuck didn't even make any bones about it. He's like, nope. like, you know, this year, this year, that's that's an idea that I'd be willing to entertain. He came right out and said it, you know, and – uh uh, you know, like the, the the NHL draft to scouts is, is like the Super Bowl to you know, it's, it's their Super Bowl because it's something they prepare for all year long. There's so many games they they either attend live or watch on video. There's so many reports that they file or they read. They, they debate players at the rating periods. I mean, they you know nothing excites them more than when you pick up some extra picks and they they agonize over trading picks. So. Brent's answer depends on, on, on who you ask, and, and Chuck answered, yeah, Brent wants me to keep the pick. That, that's mm-hmm. very predictable, and you could say that for 
31 different organizations. But I think, uh, you know, Chuck indicated, and he's right, that most years, well, you maybe kick tires around moving a first-round pick. Most years you end up keeping it. This year there's a legitimate chance that's moved for immediate roster help. Did you get the sense, too, just in, in kind of the things and the way Chuck's talking about, you know, not only that pick but about prospects and organizational equity, as I've termed it, uh, that he is really looking to cash some of that in to help this team now because he keeps using the term what happened last year was unacceptable. Yeah. Yeah, and, and he's uh, emphasizing also that he's not going to just tear everything down, but yeah. it does sound like he's willing to trade from some of those assets, uh, uh, prospects and picks, young players, um, and, uh, you know, not, uh, not, not to get – I mean, he, he also emphasized that he doesn't want – he doesn't want rentals. He doesn't want quick fixes. And then a year from now, you've spent those assets, and the guy's gone. Yeah. So I, I think that that's part. I think that's part of the reason. If you're trading that, if you're trading young players, if you're trading high end picks, you don't want to trade them for rentals unless you're just a piece away potentially at a deadline of, you know, being able to make a deep run for a, in a playoff situation. Whereas right now the Flyers are trying to to get in that situation in the first place where you're not. You're not on the bubble and sweating out making a playoff spot, and you know without without lowering the goals against average. He said it in in this league, it, and we, you and I have talked about this many times. Unless the Flyers get into the top half of the league in goals against average, I don't care how much they score, they're not going to be a playoff team. You have to be you have to be at least middle of the pack, obviously, preferably better, but at least middle of the pack in goals against average, and you can be. You know, not at the very bottom offensively, but you can be a little, a little bit below middle of the pack and get in the playoffs and be a very hard team to play against, just just by virtue of keeping keeping your team in every game. Um, you know that it, that does that doesn't slump or, or or go run as hot and cold as offense does. So um, while you know while the Flyers uh, have a, are a decent offensive team and you know have the capability in certain places of, of guys bouncing back, getting better, and, and remaining. At least middle of the pack, if not a little, you know, if not above the, the midway point, they have to at least jump from 31st in goals against average. I would say to at least 16th, 15th, preferably better. But that that has, that needs major improvement more than anything else on the team if you're going anywhere. Yeah, give me a team that is seventh in goals allowed, least amount, and give me a team that's 17th in scoring over a team that's second in goals scored and 18th in goals allowed. And right. I'll show you a team that's going right. to go a lot further in the playoffs. Um, to that, to the last part of this, Bill, let's let's hit on this real quick, is one of the things that's kind of been overshadowed and really not talked about when it comes to the Flyers is the backup goaltender position. Uh, do you have any you know inkling kind of what's going on here and, and where they may go? I, you know, I thought that that's possible, that, that they make a trade. A, a backup goalie may be part of what comes back. Um I know. I know they want to have somebody younger than Brian Elliott. That you know, they want to have a guy who um, is at very least capable of starting back-to-back games. If uh, if Carter Hart has has an injury issue or just the the ebbs and flow of the season, you know, a guy who could could play you three games in a week if you need him to do that. Um, so you know, there there is the free agent market. There are some there are some goalies available. Um, I think they'd like a guy with some experience. Um, but I, I think that they're, I think they're open to either going the free agent route or potentially bringing a goalie back as a piece of a trade. Yeah, it'll be fascinating because, you know, 
I think the, the way that, that they're looking at it is if Carter is either injured or not playing well for a stretch, you can't have to rely on a guy that's going to sink your season because he's not going to be good enough. Yeah. And yeah. you just can't have that happen. You can make all the moves in the world, and if that if that's not fixed and you don't have a guy in that situation, then what was the point of it if it, you know a goaltender gets injured or struggles at some point or some combination thereof? Uh, well, this is going to be fascinating, Bill. Um, we're going to find out a lot coming up on Sunday. Uh, both about the Flyers' protection list and the NHL team's protection list. and It's going to be a lot of fun. We'll join again on Sunday uh, evening uh, for the Monday episode to break down the list of not only the Flyers, but some of the other teams around the league, some intriguing things that we see. And in the meantime, everybody, thanks for listening to this episode of Flyers Daily. Have a great weekend. The offseason really gets underway now. So uh, we'll talk to you on Monday's episode of Flyers Daily.